Welcome to the Citizens Youth Podcast. Citizens Youth is a ministry of Northwest Gospel Church in Vancouver, Washington. Citizens is a community of students who are learning to live for Jesus. We meet every Wednesday at 7 p.m. To find out more, visit us online at nwgospel.com forward slash citizens. Welcome to Ethos Night. It's a little bit different. There's some faces around a table. You get to make eye contact. Weird. You will have to interact with other human beings. Oh, no. Tonight, we're going to open up our Ethos Night after our music with a little bit of storytelling. So we had a, uh, a group of students head out to uh, the Yakima Nation to do a mission trip. And for those the students who are sharing your stories, why don't you head up front? Those of you who are sharing, come on up here. Um, and here's where we tell our stories. Just like we're, one, we're forgetful people, right? So when we share a story, when we say like, hey, like this is what God has done in my life. Here's what God's doing in these lives. It helps us remember. We get this like track record of like, okay, here's where God has been faithful. Here's what God has done. And we get a list of things that we can glorify God and thank God for. But also like we're a community, Right, We're a community of students learning to live for Jesus, and I want to be able to look at what God's doing in other people's lives and say, thank God. Like, thank God for what he did there, and like, thank God for his faithfulness. And specifically with these stories about a missions trip, guys, the world is like bigger than you and I. Do you know that? Like, the world's bigger than Camas and Clark County. And when we get to see what God's doing in other parts of the U.S. and other parts of the world, we see, man, we serve a big God, and we can thank him for that. So our friends up here are going to share their stories, um, and we're, we're going to rejoice with them, right? We're going to thank God, glorify God for what he's doing in their lives. All right. Are you ready? Yes. Okay, here you go. Hi, guys. So my name is Cam, in case you don't know me. And I was one of the students that went on the mission two weeks ago. And my family had actually gone to the same reservation about a year ago. So I kind of, before going, I kind of had an idea of what it was going to be like. And I knew some of the teens from last year and where we were going to be staying. But even though I was happy to be going back, my heart wasn't really into it because I was excited to go back, but I was also kind of thinking about all the other things that I could be doing over spring break. And I didn't really want to go and do work for four days, but by the second day of the mission trip, while we were serving, my perspective was completely changed. And the reason for that was just going to the reservation, you find a completely different culture of people And you honestly just find a group of discouraged people and a lot of people without a lot of hope. And so being able to go there and actually just serve them and be able to say, like, I'm giving up the gift of my time to help you and to help turn your life around, it was really powerful to see just the impact that it had on them. And also just, like, the impact that it had on the community of us going, because one of the things that I didn't really think about before going was how close I would get with everyone that was on the team, and just being able to see everyone be used by God, and just to have, like, just to be able to see God use everyone's unique and, like, different gifts being used, like, 
And whether that was like serving the locals there or like serving the other people on the team or helping to serve for the church, every single person was used. And just like the memories that we'll have from that, it's just like amazing. So I'm really glad that I went. All right. Hi, guys. My name is uh, Pete, in case you don't know me. And. And so starting out, I wasn't, I heard of the mission trip, but I was like, I don't think I'm going to go. I'm just going to stay home and just stay in spring break mode. But Ethan Davidson, and he made, he like convinced me to go. So I was actually really glad though I got to go. But something that really stuck out to me was how different it is there. And like compared to here, we are all very blessed because there's poverty, abuse, drug abuse, like uh, an insane amount of horrors, I guess, down there. And it's just, it was really, um, what's the word? Eye-opening to see like how blessed we are here in our own little safe community and how they don't have that. And, but it was really cool to see how we could like kind of start bringing that community to them and kind of just like help them to see what it looks like to be a godly community and just like show love to each other, to them, and just like be servants of the Lord while we were there. So that was something that really stuck out to me personally, just how God moves in so many mysterious ways. And even though if they don't feel like they're going to work, it's all in his plan and he's going to make everything right. Well, yeah, that was pretty much, that was what I took away from it. So thank you. Um, my name is Eleni, in case you don't know me. <laughs> um, what I really liked about this trip, um, Cameron and Pete already touched on it, but it was really cool to just go there in our church community um, and get to learn everybody's strength. You kind of get to learn your own strengths, too, strengths you didn't know you had. Um, but my favorite part, I think, my, my favorite takeaway from this is that you can go, whether it's like in the next town or five hours away in Yakima or like across the country or the world, you can go somewhere and there's nowhere you can go that's not gods and it was just so awesome to be able to go somewhere and our church community to connect with another church community and even though there's like a different cultural and social and even like environmental climate there you're still able to connect on the deepest level because you have like the most important aspect of your identity in common and that's your love for Jesus and it was just so cool to be able to worship him in a different location and I don't know, it was just like the greatest joy to be able to be in community with these people and also to meet new people. So one thing I really wanted to say is if you feel like you want to go on a missions trip, I believe they're doing this next year or another missions trip, I would really encourage you to just take a leap of faith because you really don't know what could happen. Or talk to the Wallaces because they're basically all experts on missions trips. (laughs) Hi. My name's Jake. Uh, I was completely ill-prepared for the Yakima mission trip. I am the guy who brought two pairs of flip-flops and a pair of vans to camp, winter camp. 
and I lost them all. Um, and I kind of treated this trip the exact same way. I was like, dude, I'm, I'm so down to go. This is going to be so fun. And, like, I'm super social, and I could consider myself extroverted. But, like, in this type of youth group, you can talk to someone for five minutes and then just leave. But when you're on a missions trip with 25 other people and your bunkmates with half of them, like, you can't, like, you talk, there's an awkward silence, and then they're still staring back at you. Like, you can't walk out and be, oh, dude, I got I to gotta go do this, bro. And you're like, oh, for God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son, John. And then you're just like, especially the fact you can't bring phones was rough. <laughs> and then, like, after the first day, I was like, okay, we're here. I'm kind of ready. I was kind of bitter, straight up. Like, they're messy. So the people we helped, I should clarify, were messy people. Like, we did the most mundane and tedious cleanup. Like, we picked up trash, countless, countless bags of trash, and just cleaned up for a whole day. And then the next day, we came back to the same person's house just to clean up. And then I read a verse the, n- the next day that really didn't help my case. From Isaiah 64, verse 6, We have all become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are like polluted garment. We all fade like a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, take us away. And I was like, okay, I'm here doing good works, and it literally means nothing. <laughs> like, I came here for Jesus points, and I'm, getting, I'm not getting a single one. <laughs> and then the next day, like, we go back to the house, and then we go to another house, and we work again. And I'm just like, I do landscaping part-time anyways. Like, this is just another weekend. Like, we're not really seeing too much youth. Like, they're pretty introverted. No, nobody really wanted to talk. They're like, why is a whole youth group coming to work? And they're like, well, that's kind of like what we're meant to do. But even then, like, I try to talk. And they're like, what do you do for fun? Oh, we just, we just hang around. And then you just couldn't, like, break the ice. And I was like, this sucks. <laughs> I was like, I'm trying to make, like, a big difference. Like, when you first come on a mission trip, you're like, oh, dude, I'm going to do this. We're going to save a million lives. We're going to see baptisms. Awesome worship. And, like... Sometimes it's just not like that. Like, it was amazing what I saw. Like, the second day after we worked, I was like, okay, we're done working. We got one more day. We're going to see worship, and then it's going it's to be fun. We're going to see a new church. But then when I was talking to this girl, Sierra, her plan, uh, I was like, dude, like, what, what do you plan on doing for the future? She's like, oh, I want to be a dentist. But, like, being a dentist makes a lot of money. But if I want to be happy, I want to be like you guys. I want to be missionaries. And, like, I was like, What? Can you repeat that? And then she's like, well, if I want money, I'm going to be a dentist. I want to get out of this town. But if I want to be happy, I want to be a missionary. And I was like, right now, I'm not completely happy. But hearing that, like, totally changed my mood. And I, like, it kind of, kind of made me a little emotional. I was like, dude, like, why, why does that want to make you happy? And she's like, well, what you guys do every year. Like, Pastor Wayne is so ecstatic to even have you guys here. And I was like, he's not even talking to me. Like, he's just like, he's a big buff dude with a beard who looks like my grandpa could beat me up. Like, he's like Rampa, Rambo, if any of you guys get who that is. And then at the end of the trip, I read this one verse that completely, thank you, Lenny, <laughs> like, fixed my perspective. It's from Ephesians 2, 8, and it's, For by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not a result, oh, and you're doing the gift of God. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And I was like, 
well, that makes me feel really bad for thinking all these bad thoughts about these really good people. But, ooh. <laughs> and I was like, well, I guess what I really learned, I'm kind of rambling on now. Like, what I really learned from the trip is, like, I can't be so ill-prepared all the time. Like, and even when I am ill-prepared, God has a plan for when the little things seem so mundane. And that's it. Um, so my name is Allison. Um, so starting off, um, I'm going to go back to winter camp real quick. But um, for the breakout groups, I went to Tony's, and it was about sharing God in 30 seconds. So basically, that like made me want to share the word with others. And I was like, okay, so after winter camp, that was like my main goal. I was like, okay, I'm going to go on a mission trip. I'm going to share the word with everyone I come into contact with. And then I saw the, the Yakima mission trip. I was like, uh. <laughs> like, you see, like, the picture in the back, just, like, this dirt hill. I'm like, uh. And, like, I've seen Yakima, and I told my mom about it. She's like, yeah, Yakima needs Jesus. And I'm like, <laughs> So I was, like, not necessarily ecstatic to go on it. And it was kind of, like, one of those things, like, where your mom tells you, like, oh, you need to bring a jacket. It's cold. But you're like, uh, like, yeah, I need to bring one. Like, you know it, but you're like, yeah, I don't want to do that. So leading up to it, I wasn't exactly excited, but um, the first day we arrived and it didn't help at all. I like walked in, I see this um, mattress on the ground and I was like, wait, this is where we're staying? And then I was, I don't know what I was expecting. And then the next day we went out to the first site and there's just trash everywhere. And like, I just kept thinking like, this is not what I signed up for, but like, Towards the mission, towards the end of the mission trip, my perspective kind of changed. It changes from like, oh my gosh, how do people live like this? To like, wow, people live like this. And something that I took from that is that like, there's so many people who are not that far away from us. Like Yakima is like a couple hour drive and nobody would have guessed it. Like the things that they're going through. And you like hear, you talk to these people and you hear like, all the stuff they're going through, like, there's drug abuse, like, assault in these homes, and, like, these young people are affected by these terrible problems, and it kind of made me, like, realize I take everything for granted, and it was, like, kind of God showing me, like, kind of exposing me almost, like, this is what you're like, and so, yeah, basically, I would just encourage anyone to go on a mission trip like this, because, I know it's not to like Haiti or Dominican Republic, but it's just as important because God works in so many ways everywhere. And there's so many people that need help and he shines a light through you to speak to other people, whether it's the littlest things like Yakima. So I'm so glad I got to go and I got to meet some really cool people. And yeah. Uh, hi, I'm Ethan, and uh, so when I saw the Yakima trip was on, I at first completely didn't want to go because I wouldn't, like, I have school. I don't have, I really want to enjoy my spring break with my friends. I talked with them about it, like, for so long, and they said that we had, like, a lot of, I felt bad, but, like, we had a lot of stereotypes of, like, Indian reservations since I've never been on one. 
So we had all these, like, we were, like, kind of degrading their place. And I, like, after going there, I was like, they're not so much different. The only thing they don't have that we have is Jesus. But as I, as I was thinking about I took kind of long, I took a long time to think about going on it. And, uh, and then I realized that the only reason I would be here in Citizens was because of mission trip. But it wasn't that I was on the mission trip, but I was impacted by the mission trip. So my sister was also up here once when they went to Dream Center. And I had never went to uh, Citizens before, but she uh, forced me to come because she was talking about the mission trip about when she went to LA with a couple other people. So I, knowing my sister, I had to come and uh, it started getting me involved in the church more often. And then it brought me to my first summer camp, which I extremely enjoyed. And then my faith continued to build, but then in the middle, it took a took a big hit. Like it was, it felt like it wasn't going anywhere. But I know that God works in mysterious ways. But every time I felt so low and I didn't want to come back, He'd slap me and uh, force me to come. And then I'd realize why I'm here. And the on the me and uh, Jacob, we we talked a lot on the mission trip, and I we both had a similar uh, reaction when we first got there. I like walked off the bus and there's these flies flying around in my face and I was like, oh, there's a basketball hoop but it's dirt and uh, I was like, ah, four days, this isn't gonna go well. But and then I saw our sleeping quarters and it was a shed and I was like, can I sleep in the living room of the girls' house? But They said no, but uh, <laughs> I was I was completely doubting myself. I was always questioning myself why I would decide to come. I was like, all right, it's four days. I'll just push through it. And then first day, it's pretty fun just interacting with the kids and working with them. But as we cleaned up, we I like it like as every time we move the piece of trash, it's like you uncover someone's like like problems like you think oh it's not too bad but as you pick up like a tire and you see this uh battery of a tire you just think oh that's it's like it just build up of build up of problems that they have and then on the second day I was I was a bit more energetic I was I saw like we were in a better house and it was like all the trash was piled up so it'd be easier and then we decided to uh, go clean up another house and I thought can we go get dinner at Dad's? But, but as I, we were cleaning up, I met the one of the owners of the house, and his name is Michael. And uh, I saw he was wearing a Steelers jersey, and I was like, oh, I love football. We can talk about it. And uh, we ended up chatting for so long. I, couldn't, I don't know how long we were talking, but it was like, I guess, hours. Time flies when you're making fun of someone's team, but, uh, you know, as like, he started, I didn't, I didn't think football was going to be an outlet into his relationship with Christ, but as we kept on talking about players and players, he kept on opening up about his relationship with Christ, his problems he had, and I thought, I, you know, I felt that same way, like, I, I've continued, I didn't 
you could say, as someone who grew up in a Christian family, I didn't really, really like look at Christ until like later in my life, and uh, I just like we just kept on opening up, and uh, I finally like found out like his problems, and I said, "Hey, I'll pray for you," and that's the first time I've always asked anyone to if I would pray, if I could like pray for them, and I didn't think that that would have a huge impact, but. Before we left that house, I, he just came up to me and said, you don't know how much you've done to me, you don't know, coming to my house and just cleaning up the tumbleweed, roasting the Steelers, but all of that just led to you because God brought you here for a reason, and even though it may be some simple work like cleaning up a yard, it has a huge impact, like most mission trips, as I said at the beginning, I thought they were just some, oh, go to a place and impact them, but it just not only impacts the community there, but it impacts us as we do the work and as we realize why we're doing this. Thank you. All right. I'm Alexa, and this trip definitely changed a lot of parts of my life and the way I view things, mainly perspective and value and stuff. And there were a bunch of crazy things that happened and so, first and foremost, I'm a pretty, like, I'm I'm really introverted person, just really closed off, really private person. And this trip kind of showed me that there are so many different ways that people open up, and there's so many things that can trigger it. And I remember the first day we were working there, I found this old photo album, and I handed it to the woman that was at the house. Her name was Della, and she opened up the photo album, and she pointed to the first photo... And we were cleaning up this house that was decades old. It was burnt, abandoned, and the woman who lived there died in the fire that burnt the house to the ground. And I just started talking to her, and she pointed to the first photo. She pointed to the woman in the photo. She said, that's the woman that died. That was my friend. And she just suddenly began going on this whole, just this whole raid about, like, how she, were, about how they were friends, about how she felt really guilty of her death and felt responsible because she had left for work and not 20 minutes later, the woman was dead. And it was just this crazy story. I'm just like, wow, people here are so open. And I remember that night actually, or actually the, the night before that, we went, to this, we went to the church that was right next to where we were staying. And the man named Tom Black Eagle started sharing his life from like the very beginning. And I'm just like, wow, this is crazy. Like, I'm normally so introverted, so I'm so used to just, like, keeping a closed mind, like, just not really sharing information with other people. And then I'm seeing about how all these people do that all the time. And it's like, wow, this is really crazy. And I was just like, okay, yeah, I'm kind of on board with this. Not too, not too comfortable with, like, sharing everything and stuff. But, yeah, okay, that's cool. And then I'm never going to hear to the end of this. But there was the whole needle incident. I'm never going to hear the end of it. Where I was helping clean up this old trash bag. And there was an old vaccine needle underneath the bag that I didn't see. And I went to grab the bag. And it stabbed me. And so I was taken to the ER. Shout out to Libby for staying with me while I was in the ER. And I'm perfectly fine. And, but what was crazy is that while you think, okay, like, that was just, like, a setback, like, I wasn't allowed to work for a few hours, like, that must be a setback, right? That would count as a negative, unless you looked at a different side of it. 
And what I noticed, and Lippy was actually pointing this out to me as well, is about five to seven different people that was there at the ER found out about our missions trip. They found out about the work that we were doing, and they were, like, really on board. They are like, yes, this is awesome. Thank you so much for coming here and helping us. You guys didn't have to do that, but you did it because you wanted to. It's just like, that's what a real community is. And then something also happened. We pulled, we pulled up to the next house that we were working in when I got out, and all the people that were working in front started clapping and cheering for me. And I'm like, what just happened? Like, I just, I went to the emergency room, and I come back, and people are clapping for me. I'm just like, oh, my gosh. Like, I've developed relationships with people that I didn't even know I had. I'm just like, that's what a real team is. That's what a real community is. I'm just like, this is so insane. Like, to have people, like, care about me in that way that you didn't even know that they did, it was really crazy. And so that just sort of changed my whole perspective on, like, just the littlest things can make a huge difference, and you can choose whether or not you want to look at it in a negative way or in a positive way. And at first, I wasn't really on board with going on the missions trip, but my mom told me, hey, you probably should go on this. Like, this could really help, and it did. And I, I was so happy that I did it. I was so happy that she told me to. And it was just, it was really great. I was so happy I did that. So that's pretty much what God did for me. pass all the way back down the line. Yeah, give those guys another applaud as they head back to their seats. Um, yeah, so the Lord is working, like, in our lives, like, as they shared, like, they all had different perspectives of what they think um, the mission trip was supposed to look like, um, but God has different plans. I think one thing I've always seen with mission trips is God knows who he's bringing on a trip. And it always seems to, like, fit the gifts of the people that go. And it's really cool. So as the ladies encouraged uh, you and the gentlemen as well, if you have an opportunity, and we will have further opportunities in the future, like, take a chance. Be brave. Go on a mission trip. See the world. Um, not to see the world, but to have a bigger grasp of who God is. Um, because he's working in a big way everywhere. So, yeah, we're going to continue our ethos night um, as we talk about what is this icon on the stage. So you have your notes in front of you. Go ahead and open those up, um, and we're going to talk about that today. All right. Hey, students that went on that trip, thank you. That was awesome. It's good to remember uh, why we do what we do and who we are. And so... Um, this is ethos night. All right, everybody say ethos night. ethos night. But I think we should say it more like ethos night. ethos night. No, we won't do that. We won't do that. So here's what ethos night is. How many of you, how many of you, you have been at Citizens Youth for less than one year? Raise your hand. Wow. For real? Wow. Less than one year. Raise your hand. Okay. How many of you six months or less at Citizens Youth? Okay. How many of you, one week, first time ever? <laughs> All right. And so here, here's the thing, right? Imagine you walk somewhere. Imagine you come into a family. Imagine you come into a family and, um, you know, you walk in the front door and right off the bat, you're confronted with some decisions. You look down at your feet. You look at the carpet. You look at your feet. You look at the carpet and you're wondering what? Do I take my shoes off? What do they do here? 
right? And so you walk in, you walk into the kitchen, right? And everybody's setting the table and you go, I'm a guest. Do I, do I sit down or do I help? Do I sit down or do I, you have a decision to make. How do they, how do, how do they, how do they do things here? How do they act here? How, what are the rules of this household? What are they like as a family? And so if you're new to citizens or you're old, if you're a veteran or a rookie, a few times a year, we like to have an ethos net where we talk about who we are as a family. And here's who we are. Here's how we conduct ourselves in this family. There are six things. Six things, six pictures that just, this is who we are. And tonight, I want us to look at just one picture. I want you to understand that you don't know citizens. You do not get us. You're going to think we are crazy, and you're going to feel just like, what is going on if you don't understand that we are a community who engage in gospel mission? Why did students go to Yakima? Why did 25 people go to Yakima for spring break? Why do here at Citizens, why do we always talk about mission? Why are we always inviting our friends? Why do we do camps the way that we do camps? Why do we preach the way that we do? You're not going to get us, friends. You're not going to understand us unless you understand that we are a place that engages in gospel mission. We believe that we here at Citizens are on a mission. And just for a few moments tonight, I want to show you why we're on a mission. I want to show you why Citizens Youth is on a mission, and we're going to learn that as just for a few moments, we look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 16 through 20. So are you guys ready? Are we, are we going to get started? All right, here's what I want you to do. Right off the bat, I want, hey Siri, set a three-minute timer. Boom, the timer's going on. You got three minutes. I want you to go around your table and I want you to introduce yourselves to the people at your table and I want you to answer this question. What are you known for? What are you known for? Two minutes. Hi, my name my name is Simone. You're welcome.
30 seconds. Let's do this. Let's do this. Because nobody, nobody who has a good answer wants to stand up and say, I'm known for, I wet my pants in fifth grade. You know, like nobody's going to say that. So because this is a safe place, you're allowed to say that about somebody else at your table. So what are some of the people at your table known for? What were some of the, what were some of the best ones? Say it again. Making top ramen. Loving top. She's the top ramen girl. Everybody needs a top ramen girl. Yeah. Yo, Marcus is known for his trap boots. Uh, yes. Yo, Liv, I, I saw that. I've seen video footage yeah. of that. Liv Troupe is known for laying down the most Ooh. bomb Napoleon Dynamite dance impersonation. And right now, coming to the stage. Next ethos night, for sure. Come on, come on. For making buckets in basketball. Was that you or somebody else? That's you. <laughs> I'm known for being the most humble man in the world. Nobody is more humble than your boy. Simone. Evelyn has an amazing YouTube channel. Shameless plug, Evelyn has an amazing YouTube channel on how to cook hamsters whole. I'm just kidding. I just made that up because she didn't say what it was for. So I can do that. Yes, Caracal. Miss Wallace is known for being mama bear. One more, one more, live. For hitting the, is that, is that this move? Is that this move? Hit the whoa. All right, so check it out, check it out. Right, all around your table, all around your table, you got people who are different than you. All around your table, you have people that will answer the question, who are you? What are you known for? What are you about? And we all answer that in different ways. And what we realize, hey guys, focus this way. What we realize is that not only do we identify ourselves this way, but the world will identify us based on different things. And so you walk into a room or you're known in a group in the world and they start to know you as based on simply what you do. Oh, you're the, you're the YouTube girl. Oh, okay. You're the Napoleon Dynamite, right? You did that. That's who you are. Sometimes in the world, we're identified by our achievements. Yeah, she's a 4.0 girl. Oh, that's the state champ. Oh, that's the dude that, that it's like, what are you doing in sports? What are you doing for your grades? What are you doing? What are your skills? What you, what you achieve? A lot of times, it's okay. A lot of times we like to identify ourselves or others based on our achievements. Did I just say that? Achievements, uh, our relationships. You're only as good as the amount of friends you have. You're only as good as your latest relationship status. You're only as good as your last boyfriend or girlfriend. You're only as good as the people you get along with. So your relationships, that's who you are. Our world loves to identify people based on their sexuality, right? That's who I am. That's my identity. 
what I'm experiencing sexually. That's who I am. A lot of times in our world, ooh, be careful what you let on YouTube, young lady. Be careful about who finds out your past. Be careful about what you put on your social media because the world will identify you based on your past. And you are known and will forever be known by your mistakes. Sometimes we, we like to identify ourselves or, or others on our family, right? Oh, I'm the Hispanic kid. I'm the Italian kid. I'm the Asian kid. Oh, I'm the kid with a lot of kids, right? You know, it's like, who is your family? That's who you are. And so we identify ourselves. We identify others. Others identify us. And all of these things, there's a phrase you need to understand. All of these things are what we call here at Citizens and what we call in the scriptures are according to the flesh. I look at you and I define you according to the flesh, meaning according to what is visible, what I see, according to your physical and your earthly situation. So that's Kome. He's nothing more than the dude who gets buckets. That's what I see, right? But I got to tell you guys something tonight. I got a message. I, I just, I got to tell you something that will radically change everything that's happening around your tables right now. I got to tell you something, friends, that will radically change the name tag that you're wearing on your soul. I got to tell you something. So can I tell you? Can I tell you something tonight? Can I give you a message that will radically change how we identify ourselves and those around our table? Can I tell you? Better yet, let me show it to you. Here we go. We're diving in. Verse 16 of chapter 5. From now on. Everybody say, from now on. This is a line in the sand, right? This is from now on, from this moment forward, in light of what has just happened, something's going to change. Woo, something's going to change. Let me tell you what's going to change. From now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, no, we don't do that no longer. We don't do that any longer. So here's my message, friends. If we are in God's family, if the people sitting around, check, check, all right, okay, okay, it's like cardio, running this, here we go. So here's the message you have to understand. If the people at your table, if this is a community that is in the family of God, then we regard no one according to the flesh. We do not identify ourselves. We do not identify each other based on the things we just talked about. And it makes sense. Think about Jesus. We, maybe perhaps once, we looked at Jesus based on his earthly situation. We saw him as a Jewish human dude who lived a long time ago. He's dead. But if you're around this table and you're in the family of God, you know that you don't see Jesus. You don't identify Jesus based on his physical situation. You're not seeing Jesus based on his human circumstances, but his spiritual circumstances, right? Right? And so it only makes sense that those who are in Christ are viewed the same way. Those who are in Christ, we no longer see them based on physical circumstances and physical realities, but on spiritual realities. We now see people, just like Christ, in light of their spiritual situation. 
And so as much as my homie here loves getting buckets, that's not what's most real about him. As much as her YouTube channel is blowing up the interwebs, you know, like, that's not what's most real about her. No matter how many Napoleon Dynamite beats this homie can drop, that's not what's most real about her. What is most real about my friend here is her spiritual situation. And can I tell you about her spiritual situation for a moment? Do you want to know what your spiritual situation is, Arden Windis? Do you want to know what your situation is, Kyle Cohen? Do you want to know your spiritual? Do you want to know your spiritual situation? Winter guard, gym to guard track. Let me show you, Paula. Check this out. Right? Look what he says here. This is your spiritual situation. Number one. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. The first thing about your situation is this. Hello, I'm new. Hello. I am new. If you are in Christ, students, you are a new creation. God has made you new. And so here's what we do, because we're teenagers, right? I mean, y'all are teenagers. I'm grown. I'm 28 and a half, y'all. You're like, you're not grown, you're old. Easy. Easy, man. Tough crowd in my head. But here's what happens. We hear new, and we go, oh, yeah, yeah, I like new. Like, I got a new haircut. Any new haircuts this week? Fresh? Where's Brock? I saw Brock repping the fresh cut. Look at that fresh cut, right? So we think new. We think new haircut. We think new jays. We think new outfit. We think new change of scenery. But friends, when he says new, he's not talking about slightly updated. He's not saying new to you. He says new creation. When I think of creation, who are the two people in human history you think of? Adam and Eve. So you want to know how new you are? Think about how big of a difference there was between before Adam was created and after Adam was created. <laughs> yeah, it was like a new haircut. Adam pre-creation, Adam pro-creation. Radical! <laughs> like he didn't even exist. That's how new you are. What God has done in your life through Jesus Christ, he has made you a radically new creature. And so students, as you look at the name tag on your shirt right now, as you look into your soul and think about how you identify yourself, do you view yourself as new? Do you understand just how new you are made in Christ? As we interact in our community, do you view the other people at your table this way? Hello? I'm new. I'm new. That's my spiritual situation. And friends, if you're a Christian, that's yours. But look what else there is. I'm new, but you know what else I am? Verse 18 here. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, Christ, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself. Hello, I'm new. Hello, I'm reconciled. You want to know what's most real about me? You want to know how you should view me? You want to know what my identity is? It's not according to the flesh anymore, friends. I'm new and I'm reconciled. That is my spiritual situation. And so I see you guys there in the middle. You're taking notes. You're like, reconcile. Sam, I know what that means, but the table next to me, they don't know what that means. Can you explain it for them? Yes, I will. So reconciled simply means this. To reunite 
reconcile, to reunite, to restore friendship. All right, case in point, my boy Danny Lazara, right? We were growing up, we, I, was, uh, I was in eighth grade, he was in seventh grade, Danny's my boy. No, different Danny, Danny's my boy, right? There came a day where Danny, everybody look, Danny was not my boy, okay? Danny was my boy, and then something happened where Danny was not my boy. All right, let me explain what happened. Danny was a jokester. He was hilarious, but sometimes he took things too far, right? So you guys know the game where you look at this? Got him, right? You guys all looked? Got him, right? And then you go, ha ha, and you give somebody a punch. Danny kept taking it too far, right? We were at church. We get out of church. Danny, without even, Danny, it's like, Danny, it's like a cuss word. I'm like, Danny, Danny decides, here's gonna be funny. Danny, he, he, goes, he, he doesn't even do the look thing. He goes, hey, Sam, I turn around. Decks me straight in the face. He's like, ha, ha, ha. He's laughing until my nose starts gushing blood. You see that? Like, it was like so natural. It was like, damn, my boy, right? Not anymore. At that point, I wanted nothing more than to embrace Danny and just give him a big hug, you know? What? Yo, I chased him through the parking lot with my nose bloodied all over my shirt, and I'm literally just chasing him, right? We became enemies at that point. Like, I didn't care for his well-being. He didn't care for mine. We were opposed. But one day, through humility, through sitting down, through him hearing how his actions made me feel, through, through him being able to listen to that and humble himself and apologize, genuine reconciliation was possible. And my boy turned enemy once again was my boy. And you know why that's possible, friends? Because God reconciled us to himself. And so when I say that we're reconciled to God, it's not like, oh, we just didn't know God and we were introduced. No, we were born to be like this. But because of your sin, because you're like Danny, you're now like this with God. You understand that? Well, I just think the whole world needs more love. I just think the biggest problem in the world is that people just need good morals. I think the biggest problem in the world is that they need more good examples. No, the biggest problem in the world is that human beings that were created to be like this with God are like this with God. Not because God is mean, but because we're sinners. But here's the good news, students, that even though we deserve to be God's enemies, even though we have sinned against God, God has sent Jesus Christ to reconcile us to himself. You're a sinner. You don't deserve to be in God's family. And yet he loves you so much that he will bring you into his family. He loves you so much that your name tag will no longer say, hi, I'm an enemy, but it says, hello, I'm family. He loves you so much that through Jesus, he transforms your identity. So instead of saying, hello, I'm opposed to God and a child of wrath, you can say, hello, I'm reconciled. That's your spiritual situation, students. And so maybe you're here and, and again, we, we say this all the time. You don't have to be a Christian to be at Citizens, okay? You don't have to have your act together. We are a community and we love Jesus and we know that there are always people in here that have not cried out to God yet, right? Just this Sunday, we're gonna talk about this Sunday, we have students getting baptized because they said, wait a minute, I want in. And so maybe you're here and you go, man, I want in. I should get started. No, 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 no. It's not like that. You're like, man, I want in. I got to get going. I got to do some work. I got to clean up my acts. I got No, 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 friends. Look what it says. All this is from God. You can't earn 
being in his family. You can't work hard enough to be connected to God. You can't be good and behave and do the right things in order to be reconciled. God does it. So cry out to him. Ask him, humble yourself and say, God, I recognize that it's only because of my fault that I'm with you. And so you cry out to God, asking him to make you new and asking him to transform you from enemy to family. Sam, easy, it sounds easy enough, but Sam, you don't know my story. You don't know my sins. It's like, you're you're telling me that I can come into the house, but you don't see the mud that is on the bottom of my shoes. So if I'm going to come into the family, I got to go clean up first. Sam, I I have to make sure that I'm not tracking mud into the house. Yes, maybe for those other goody two-shoes kids, maybe they can come into God's family, but I am a hot mess. Here's what you need to hear as we end here. God's gospel, the message is not get yourself clean and then come in. The message is come in and I will make you clean. And that's where we end here. It says he was, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself and not counting their trespasses against them. Hello? I'm forgiven. I'm new. I'm reconciled. I'm forgiven. God the Father doesn't say to clean up. God the Father doesn't say get your act together. He says, come in and I will make you clean. Students, do you know what it feels like to be guilty? Do you know what it feels like to live in the dark and to try to keep all of your mistakes a secret? Do you know what it feels like to walk around with a double life and to put the mask on and to go, I hope nobody ever finds out, but this is really destroying my soul right now. I invented that move. I did, I know what that feels like and you know what that feels like, but here is the good news of what God is saying. He will not count those things against you. That God, because of his grace, he is willing to forgive you. And he's willing to pay the consequences himself when Jesus died. And so this is it. This is the gospel. That because of what Jesus has done, we can say, hello, I'm new. I am forgiven and I am reconciled. And students, if this if this community, I'm talking about like Clark County, if this community, if this school district of students can understand this message, it would change their lives. It would change their eternities. If only your friends, if only these middle schools, if only these high schools could hear the message of God's love, if they could hear this good news, it would change everything. And all the labels that they're wearing on themselves about their achievements and their grades and their sexuality and their past and their families, if they could experience what it's like to not be labeled that anymore, but to be labeled these things, it would change everything. And so how do we get there? How do they hear it? God, that's a great message, but what's your method? God, that's a great message, but what are you going to do about it? And in our final verse here, we see what God has done about this message. Check it out. And you should check it out because it includes you. Final verse here. He's entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ be reconciled to God and implore. You guys don't maybe know that word is that second table. They don't know. So implore, like imagine me right now. On the, on the, like on my, 
I'm imploring you. God is imploring through us. Be reconciled, please. Respond to this. Be reconciled to God. Cry out to him and let him save you. And so here's what we learn, right? We want God to get the news out. And so we go, God, 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 I got, I got an idea, God. God, what if you up in heaven, what if you like wrote a book, like a big fat textbook with your finger, you know, like zzz, maybe you put it in stone so it lasts a long time. What if you wrote like an awesome book and just like sent that out to everybody's email in the world? God, 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 I got a better idea. I got a better idea. What if you, in your holy heaven, what if you like made it rain pamphlets all over the world, right, God? Like, God, what if, what if you took your, 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 your divine heavenly finger, the strong one, your right hand, and what if you wrote this message in the sky on the clouds? Nobody could deny that, right? Like, God, God, what if you, like, showed up in human form and, like, communicated this message yourself? Surely nobody would deny you then. Oh, wait, that was part of the plan. But there was more. We look at God and we say, God, what's your plan? Maybe we can run like a commercial ad, you know, like the Super Bowl. Like maybe God, because he like, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Money's not even an object. Maybe he can buy like a whole two minute like Super Bowl ad. And then maybe he can like communicate the gospel that way. But that's not his plan. His plan for spreading this message is this. God is spreading the message by sending you on a mission. God's plan, God's method for spreading his message is sending you on a mission. God's plan for spreading this good news was this. He's going to entrust it to you. You know what entrust means? That second table, they're really struggling. They have their dictionaries out now. It's crazy. So to entrust something is this, right? Like I have a human being who belongs to me. I made him. He's mine, okay? Um, His name is Micah. And so Michelle, my friend there, she was like, hey, I'll take him to his class. And so I give, or actually, it was the baby I gave to her earlier. I'm giving her all my kids. And so I give her the baby, and I entrusted it to her. I'm saying, this is now your responsibility. Treat it the way I would. And that's the same way that God says, this is my message. Go and communicate that the way I would. So he's entrusting to us the message, which makes us ambassadors. The king has sent us. God the Father has sent you on a, mess, on a mission with his message. Communicate it. You're an ambassador. And through you, God is pleading and crying out to the world, be reconciled to me. And here's what we do. We sit on the sideline and we see God and we see people that are like this and we go, man, really hope they get into God's family. Man, I really hope that they can hear this message because if they heard the message, can be, I mean, like, whoa, right? Then they could be in our family with us. Get them, God. We're praying, God. Yeah, we pray. We pray in Jesus' name. We pray. God, what are you doing? God, why are my friends not in your family? God, why, why are you not reaching out? To, God, why are you not saving? God, how come they haven't got the gospel yet? God, did they not? And God says, my message goes through my mission. My method for spreading the message is sending my people on a mission. And so you get up out of your chair. That's why the chair is empty. Because you get out of your chair. And you go on a mission. And that's why here at Citizens Youth, you can't understand us unless you, unless you realize that we believe this, that God gave you a message and a mission. 
And here's where it gets crazy, students. The people that are in your life right now, God put you there. The family that you are in right now, God put you there. The team, the group of students, the clubs, the classrooms, the work environments, the the co-ops, where you are right now, God put you there. And guess why he put you there? Because he gave you a message and a mission. What if you viewed yourself as a missionary to those people? I want to go to Yakima. I want to go to Haiti. I want to go to the Dominican Republic. How about you go to math class? How about you go to your football team? There is missions. Missions doesn't happen once a year on spring break, students. Missions is a lifestyle. Here at Citizens Youth, we are engaging in gospel mission and we are observing the great commission that says this. Jesus commands his disciples, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And surely wherever you go, there I am with you. Jesus is with you on this mission. Jesus is with you when you go to math class. He's with you when you speak up at that group. He's with you when you go to your team. He is with you when you say, God, you've given me a message. Help me and give me courage to be on the mission. Welcome to Ethos Night. This is who we are. This is what we're about. Well, Sam, wouldn't it be more comfortable? Like, look at this room. This is pretty big. What if we just close the doors and just us 124 no more? Right? 161, we're done. Like, why not just like stop there? Do we really, do we need more, Sam? It's gonna get messy, you know? You know, if we have more people that come that don't even really know you, like they may be unruly and they may cuss on the bus on the way to camp. (gasps) And they may, are we sure we really want more of those outsiders here? Yes! This is what Citizens is all about. We engage in gospel mission. And if you're sitting at this table and you're a Christian, if you're sitting at this table and you've been made new, reconciled and forgiven, you're a missionary. And you've been given a message and a mission. And so I want you to look around your tables here as we move to response. Every table has a chair that's reserved. Hopefully you're not sitting in the reserved chair because you failed to read instructions. It's one word, reserved. And so this chair is reserved. And you know why this chair is reserved at your table? Because I want you to pray and ask God, who do you want me to invite to sit in that chair? Some of you are sitting in this chair right now because someone else at your table invited you. Ben, you're in the back, right? Is that you, Ben? Ben, you weren't here a year ago. Who invited you to sit in that chair, Ben? Caleb. Caleb wasn't here three years ago. Caleb, I remember the first time you showed up, Caleb. You showed up for a dodgeball night in the summer. Who invited you and, and, your, and your siblings that night? Do you remember? No one invited you. You see, that's why he's so messed up. Nobody was on mission to Mr. Mead over there, right? He needs you. No, but seriously, you're, dude, live. Live literally. She goes on a mission trip. I was sitting right next to him. This literally happened. And, and, Lenny, and Lenny's up there on the thing. And she goes, Liv, remember when you invited me here? I remember that. Lenny wouldn't talk to anybody. She was the quietest, most like, hi, I'm just a guest here. She's not a guest. She's a missionary here now. She's going to be preaching here in tribes and things like that, right? (laughs) Give it up for Lenny. That wasn't the point. But 
And so here's what we're going to do. We're, we got to respond to this. We got to respond for Ethos night. And so here's what I want you to do. I'm going to set another timer. And in your notes, I have a, it says prayer number one. I want you to write the names of individuals that God has put on your heart and the groups of people that God has put around you. 